It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, the one, the only, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, Hi, it's great to be back <laughs> at the kitchen table. We're, we're already excited for our next guest. <laughs> we're a little we, giddy today. We actually had to stop. We had to tell Sean and, and our next guest, which I'm going to tell you, to stop talking because they, they just they just keep going. I'm like, we got to start the show and put this on the podcast. So um, our next guest is, you know, if you're, if any of my friends are listening, they're still impressed. I do know Mike Seaver. We are friends. We do go out to dinner. Uh, the, the, the four of the, the four we of call, us. We, we call Kirk Cameron as well. But I guess so he came, so Kirk, welcome to the show. But he came, he came up on our, uh, on, on, on the screen and his screen name is Mike Seaver, which is awesome. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> um, so, so Kirk, the last time we saw you, we went out to dinner. So we've gone out to dinner a few times and mm-hmm. it's just so much fun because I don't know what it is. There's a bromance between Sean and Kirk. Uh, they connect on a lot of interesting levels. Um, and the last time we we talked, well, this Kirk, is sounding really mysterious connected. already, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel was there. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but there's a carnivore farm butter candle making connection i can't even get into so sadly kirk showed interest in my crazy side and i started going about i'm making my own butter i've got flint and steel i like <laughs> i'm making my own sauerkraut i want to get egg and we had this you know kind of wild round conversation which we're gonna get into some other parts of that conversation as well but before we get to the podcast you're telling me you made your own butter yeah yeah so this is starting to sound right like okay there's so many jokes that we could i I can just i can hear them coming already (laughs) romance making your own butter um like okay private private dinners no this is this is not that um you know i'm I'm getting red now i'm starting to feel a little bit awkward like 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 new york but you know but like New York, cool, yeah, but family, you're, you know, Virginia, um, Arkansas, Tennessee, um, right? They're, right, and I'm, yeah. I'm out here in California thinking, yeah. you know, what is the future going to be like in five years? And if we really want to be about family mm. with six children, and you guys have got nine, we had this discussion about how do we start to lay down some foundations so that in five years, if yes. conditions are not what we would hope they would be, we would have an ability to link arms together as families and people with like minds and values to be able to really ha- have some great community left. And uh, you were like, hey, I want to learn how to do stuff. You know, I want to make sure I know how to change my own flat tire. I want to make my own uh, butter. I want to have access to food and and water and uh uh, energy and things like that. I'm like, you know, this is all great stuff. It kind of brings out the, uh, the lumberjack in me. It brings out the brave heart in me. It brings out the provider protector in me. And I'm like, I'm all about a piece of land and some chickens with a cow and a pig so that I can make my own bacon, make my own ribeyes, make my own sunny side up eggs. And, uh, 
make it happen. So I, I've been learning how to do some of this stuff. I got a little reminder on my email that I, I, uh, I sent to myself and it's been coming up on, cause I keep putting it on snooze. So, um, I've, I've actually made a bunch of butter for my family and I've got a whole bunch of sauerkraut in my pantry that's bubbling away. And it is, it's, it's great. I can't wait to dig in and eat it. I know, I'm getting too excited yeah, about this. Way, left- that's what I have in my refrigerator. I have a lot of sauerkraut. <laughs> I have butter. I have some can. I, he made candles. Also, he just started making ice cream. I, yeah, yeah, last night, Kirk, I made ice cream for the first time. There's all these preservatives and crap in ice cream. And I'm like, I want to make my own ice cream that that has less su- less less sugar and whole milk and cream. and real cream, and it tastes awesome. So that's when it's so good. Ra- we're gonna start doing bread too. I know it, it is really good. And but but and again, I think at dinner yeah. I was like, I, I'm, I'm gonna learn how to do stuff. I think I said I was gonna learn how to do shit this year because I think as men, this is really an honest conversation as men. We kind of lost the art of knowing how to do things as things have become really easy in the world. And you can just go to the store um, and someone does it for you. And we've lost the art of being able to take care of ourselves should things go wrong. And I think as heads of household, I'm talking about the patriarch, which... I'm, I'm the not, patriarchy but, <laughs> exists at the, this kitchen table. This kitchen table. <laughs> we should know how to take care of our families. We should know how to do stuff. Um, and that was kind of the, 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 the whole part of our conversation. And I, I loved it because um, you and I were singing off the same sheet of music. Um, by the way, did you get Flint and Steel? <laughs> not yet. I actually do have Flint and Steel. Yes, sir. Not only that, Sean, you need... You need yes, I don't know sir. If you have yes, yet. sir. <laughs> Tent. I got a truck top tent. I made a five day road trip with my uncle, who's a retired deputy sheriff uh, from Tennessee back to California because I had to get my my newly purchased Ford Raptor truck with a truck top tent all the way back to California. And rather than shipping it, I thought I'm going to tailgate with a Coleman stove when I eat my grass fed, grass finished beef with my uncle and sleep in my truck top tent at all the KOAs across the nation. I got to see the most beautiful parts of Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, <laughs> New Mexico, and Arizona. It was, it was great. Loved it. So, okay, on the pop-up tent, is this one that'll, that sits on top of the topper on your truck? Yeah, it sits on top of the bed rack. Yeah which is up at the level of the top of the cab. Yeah, so you're up high, you know, so if it's raining and actually it was raining and snowing, uh, you're out of the cold, you're out of the wet, and you're up in there in your zero degree mummy bag, and it's awesome. But that's me, I, I'm an outdoors camping guy. Yeah, I, think I have a friend, a my, I have a friend who has thing. one. And if a bear comes calling, you know, you're, you're up, up six feet off the ground, seven feet off the ground. You're, you're, you're in a little better position than if you were on the ground. So did you, did you buy a farm while you were out in Tennessee? No, I didn't. No, no. I've been, I've been looking and there's so much beautiful land in middle Tennessee and, and Eastern Tennessee, but you know, I want to be fairly close to uh, a good market. Um, because I, I don't have all of the mm-hmm. raw ingredients to stock my own fridge yet. But, um, sure. you know, that, that little house on the prairie life is uh, looking more and more appealing. The more I see these uh, crazy things happening politically, economically in our country. So maybe it's That's just a pipe feel. dream or maybe it's going to be reality. I don't know. 
I, you know, I think on those things, again, Rachel and I, we've talked about this a lot and we talked about it with you. We've been looking for farms in different locations and, you know, our, our plan continues to evolve, but we are actively looking because I, I, I do think that you want a little extra space to, it, again, if you want to, you probably in California where you live, you probably can't have pigs, uh, chickens and a cow. Uh, the, your neighbors might not like that so much and, and here where we live as well. So you got to have some extra space where you can make these things happen. And it comes down to getting away from the city and having a farm to do it. Um, so we, we haven't made our purchase yet, but we, we keep looking and yeah. we want to in 2024. That's one of the commitments we've so made. So the other thing that we, you guys talked a lot about when we had dinner last time, and you actually alluded to a, a little bit during your camping trip, was red meat. You're a carnivore, and there's a reason. Why don't you kind of unpack that a little bit? So, uh, yeah, I, I love meat. It's, it's funny. Some people seem to think I'm a vegetarian for some reason. I don't know where they, where they get this from. It might be from an old Tiger Beat <laughs> magazine. Maybe when I was 14, I was really into salad. But uh, no, uh, if, if, if it has eyes and it's looking back at me, uh, it should run because I'm about to put it on my plate. <laughs> I had a great shirt that I used to wear around as a t-shirt that said PETA across the front, you know, P-E-T-A. And then underneath it explained mm -hmm. that acronym's letters as people for the eating of tasty animals. <laughs> and, and then on the very back, uh, it, it had the slogan, I believe there's room for all of God's creatures, dot, 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 right next to my mashed potatoes. And <laughs> I love pouring this into Starbucks where people would first give me the great big high five. Yeah, bro, I'm with, Oh, and then they'd read the rest of it and be like, really? Really? I'm like, yes, we're having a barbecue. And really? You wanted to Starbucks? You're welcome to come on home to my house. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we, we found out we had a, a mutual friend, uh, Dr. Sean Amara, who's from the, the broader Minneapolis-St. Paul area, um, who is a proponent of, of a carnivore diet. And as we were talking about it and you were talking, we're like, do we know the same guy? Yeah. And and then at the dinner table, yeah, by the way, he has done the podcast. If you haven't listened to the podcast uh, about the carnivore diet uh, with Dr. Sean Amara, it's fantastic. Um, and he lays out the case for um, eating meat. Um, and it's and it's awesome. But I think that was and interesting. He's my sister's doctor. As, yep. And um, and, you know, him too, Kirk. And you, yep. you really think that this is a, a, a good a good diet. It's not fully carnivore. There's fermented, which is why you have sauerkraut in your refrigerator, but there's fermented vegetables in it and a few other things. Um, I think butter and that kind of stuff. But. Yeah. So I'm 53 years old and I don't want to just get older. I want to get better. And I think that we're whole people, body, mind, and spirit. We've always told our kids that, you know, you can't separate out and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay mentally, but spiritually, uh, I don't have to worry about things. I, I think, no, I think we're actually a spirit connected to God. We're made in God's image and he's given us a body and he's given us a mind. I'm, I'm not a mind with a body. I'm a spirit with a mind and I live inside of a body and all of this works together uh, and you got to be healthy everywhere. So I want to be healthy mm -hmm. uh, with the way that I eat and lifestyle as well too, because I got grandkids on the way. My daughter just told us at Thanksgiving that she's pregnant, which means mm -hmm. I am a grandfather. People say, no, 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 Kirk, you will be a grandfather. Wow. When will you be a grandfather? I say, no, 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 wow. I am. My grandson is in the oven right now and he's baking away for the next nine months. And when he comes out, 
he's going to be a handsome little devil. I just know it. And uh, I already am a grandfather. So I want to be able to, to do as much as I can for as long as I can. And I think that uh, we've been sold a bill of goods with regard to health and, and so many other things. I mean, we could go down, the, go down the, the road and say, do we really trust the food industry with their food pyramid? Do we really trust all of these organizations that have so much money to make from big pharma, big food, big everything? Or do we need to start saying what makes sense at, for me and what is working and what seems to be in line with what's natural and good? And uh, that's, that's the path that I'm choosing to go down. You know, Kirk, it's, it's a really good point because I, I think if you look over the course of the last 40 or 50 years and all of these great scientists and all this wonderful government involvement in telling us what we should eat, because all the things of the past were bad, dairy is bad, meat is bad, salt is eggs. bad, eggs are bad. What we've seen is, is Americans with all this great information from doctors and government, that's mm -hmm. right, what happens is Americans have become way fatter and way sicker. So when we go, you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about because people are less healthy when they eat what you tell them to eat. So you go back to these basics like you're talking about, which is we eat natural, good, healthy foods that includes meat, which brings me to my question. Since you started the carnivore diet, do you feel better? Do you feel like you have more energy? Do you feel like you're a healthier Mike Seaver slash Kirk Cameron? <laughs> Yes, my goodness, yes. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not getting some kickback from carnivore, you know, carnivore.org or something like that. Yeah. Um, I simply have uh, actually reason to be concerned about heart health, right? So like I'm a 53-year-old man and uh, cardiovascular health is an issue. And I've actually been wanting to get off of some of the cholesterol medicine that I've been taking for years because that's the paradigm, right, is cholesterol has got to come down. Well, if you look at the history of that, that low, that number keeps getting lower and lower, and that simply just increases the customer base for the pharmaceutical companies that are selling statins. And it turns out um, mm -hmm. that all the new research is showing very different results that have intrigued me. And I actually believe that the opposite of, of, of many of these markers are, are, are really true. So I think that the diet that I'm eating which consists of animal products. That's that's organ meat, that's that's muscle meat, that's snout to tail uh, combined with fermented vegetables. Um, that That's beef, butter, bacon, eggs, chicken, fish, bison, elk, yogurt, kefir, milk, all of that is the most nutrient dense stuff we can get our hands on, way more than plant stuff. And uh, I've never felt better um, my my uh, health markers from my glucose levels, insulin levels, my blood pressure, my cholesterol, my uh, everything else is so much better. And then my energy levels are like laser flat, awesome all day long, not the up and down, up and down. Sleep is better. Uh, mental clarity is better. Everything is great. But the problem is no one will really tell you that on a large scale because that doesn't make big food companies or medical companies any money. Right. Um, but I've found that it's been right. absolutely great. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with it. But uh, talk to me in a year and see how I feel. And uh, I, I, could, I could give you more data. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. No, I, I believe you. Um, I, I know a lot of people who, I mean, we are kind of sort of doing that. Not as much meat because I, I just said more. I, I feel like while, I, we, we had this Sunday calls your name. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk knows me well enough to know that I love dessert. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but there's also, I grew up on a Mediterranean diet, which was, you know, it definitely had meat and, and, and dairy and cheese and olives. And I just feel like I need a little more balance. But my sister pretty much eats the way you eat, Kirk, and she feels and looks fantastic. Um, so I have no doubt that it does work. And, and, and going back to what Sean was talking about, it's not that these scientists, you know, starting in, I don't know, the 50s and 60s thought they were smarter than our the way our grandparents ate. It's that they were getting bought out by companies. Right. Um, the, these government scientists that were putting out these food pyramids that were telling everyone that suddenly eggs were bad or red meat is bad or you got to watch your cholesterol. There is this terrible nexus between pharma and big pharma, big government, big, big food. food. And, and, and the results are just obvious. I mean, you, have you seen those, those pictures that you'll see sometimes on the internet of, you know, just a random picture of people at the beach in the 1970s versus of people at the beach right now. I mean, we yeah. are fatter and sicker and, and more yeah. unhealthy. And it's just visually obvious that that's the case. And we have to ask ourselves, why is it that people that go to Europe and, um, you know, eat bread, don't get fat, actually end up losing weight? There's something in the genetically modified grains. You know There's something. You know, what's so crazy is how we have a media system that actually wants to tell us things that are so counterintuitive to actually reverse what you just said. You're saying we're getting so much fatter. We're so much unhealthier. Like, no, 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 no. Fatter is actually healthy. In fact, yeah. we want yeah. you to love being fat and don't fat shame anybody, even though we understand yeah. that visceral fat and obesity and body mass index and all that kind of stuff are the prime markers for whether or not you're going to keel over from a stroke or a heart attack or cancer. But no, yeah, absolutely. we, and I we just believe it, what we hear. And it starts so early. I mean, I really think if we were ever to go, you know, if Sean was president right now, if Sean was the president and I was an influential first lady, which I think I would be. Probably. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can attest you would be. Um, Whether I like it or not. The first thing a- I would start with is breastfeeding. We breastfeeding. Um, the fact that we don't prioritize it, the fact that we have all these breast cancer awareness stuff and they never tell women that breastfeeding actually 
decreases their chance of getting breast uh, uh, breast cancer. There's a reason why we don't know that. That is because a lot of people You're make money into off Simulax of market share. Exactly. Right. And but what we're also doing by putting uh, babies on Similac on, on, on fake milk is we're just starting the conveyor belt right from from right out of the womb, putting them on processed food. There's a process. That, that is it, 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 it. So it has to start at the very beginning. And by the way, the spiritual part of not breastfeeding, uh, you know, that bonding and connection that happens um, that is, is is so primal and spiritual, frankly, uh, all of it, we start from the very beginning. We get it wrong. Yeah, I think um, that you're so right. And that that actually has a very close connection to me when you're talking about companies wanting to have you and I as parents transition over to dependence upon other people for something as basic as feeding our children food. I mean, God gives, I think, the most perfect food on the planet, which would be a mother's milk for her child that has contains all of what that child needs Mm -hmm. to live in these early portions of a child's life. And there's nothing healthier yes. or, or more perfectly designed for that baby yet. They're going to say, no, 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 um, you're not designed. You're not really, you need to switch over to this other kind of stuff. And then when you're done with that, we're going to go to Gerber Foods. And you know, that's exactly what they are trying yeah. to do with children's education yes. as well. You mom, you dad are not qualified and licensed to educate your children, even though God gave them to you, not mm-hmm. the government school system. So you need to hand them over to us in preschool and beyond. And not only that, we are going to actually take over whether or not your child is really a boy or a girl, and we're going to be in charge of their gender too. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be in charge of what their spiritual yes. beliefs are too. And they need to start when they're young because that gets them on the conveyor belt that you just talked about. Yes. And can, can I just say one more thing? Because I know I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the first lady who champions breastfeeding. <laughs> oh, one point. Um, because, you know, you know, our friend, Nicole Sapphire, um, who is a, a doctor who deals with breast cancer and radiology and all that kind of stuff. She was skewered during the pandemic. Remember, there was a shortage of breast milk, I mean, of, of a of formula, and people were, you know, freaking out, which, by the way, I did have a child who had to have um, her her milk, my breast milk supplemented because she had Downs and she had feeding issues. So there was a, there were some needs there for that. There are circumstances. There are definitely circumstances. No for, for that but, kind of but, milk. And we had adopted children. Our first four kids were adopted. And so, yeah. Yeah, you get it. But she came out during the pandemic when that when that shortage happened. And she said, yeah, we need to get the supply chain going. Yes, this is a problem. But by the way, the reason we're in this situation is because not enough women are breastfeeding. And she got skewered for that. And I appreciate her honesty. Yeah. Yeah. No no doubt. Kirk, listen, so Rachel and I, so we want to talk about fame. So Rachel and I had a chance to do reality TV back in the day, um, and there's there's a little little tiny bit of fame that came back in the day from doing MTV's The Real World, but it's nothing compared to what you had on Growing Pains as as Mike Seaver. I mean, you were you were uh, in everyone's homes um, for what seven years uh, on this show, um, playing this character. You probably couldn't get a gallon of gas or a gallon of milk or go to the mall and get a t-shirt without everybody knowing who you are 
Um, you were incredibly famous. Um, what was it like being a young, a young man in his, you know, his teens, going into his 20s, navigating fame at your level? Let's see. I'm trying to remember. That was a while ago. Um. <laughs> no, just so you know, Kirk, my friends are still really impressed that I know you. <laughs> very jealous. Just so you know. <laughs> well, you know, my friends are impressed that I get to talk with you guys. You, you're on, you're, you know, you're news anchors, and I, I'm like talking to both of you at the same time. Um, and how cool is that? I'll get, I'll get to the answer to your question, but I just want to say, you know, how cool it is for for people like me and and those who. Uh, the, the others who watch you guys to see you as a married couple, you got nine kids, you value the things that God values. You value the things that we want to value. You're leaning into it. You're talking openly about it and you're able to work together. I mean, that's, that's something really rare and special. And it really it's like, special. it makes yeah. us feel good to see it. And so whatever you're doing, keep, mm. keep, keep doing it. It's really inspiring. We still we still like each other after working together and having nine kids together. We do love each most, other. Most most yeah. of the time we like each yeah. other. Not this morning. We had a little argument. Well, <laughs> that was yesterday morning. It was yesterday morning. Oh no no no! It was, it was this, this morning. morning. It, was it was this morning. morning. We were fighting about the podcast actually this morning. She <laughs> <laughs> started yelling at me. I'm like, why are we yelling? What the? I don't know. Like, it's Latin. It's Latin. Yelling yeah. at me. I'm like, well, he's before, married before to you start feeling so too good about yourself, Rachel did say privately that it has to do with a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> and my wife well is also an Thank expert you. in forgiveness. I have given her so many opportunities to perfect the art of forgiveness, and that is why we are still married <laughs> after 42 years. We just want them to be, you know, really wonderful. And, and you're right, perfect forgiveness for us because uh, we, that's we do, right. no yeah. doubt about that. That's, that's right. So let's talk, let, but, but let's come back to, to what it was like being sure. famous, so young. It's gotta, it's, it's gotta be really challenging and really, um, can, I think there's a lot of people who get tweaked by it, Kirk, they become, you know, they, they, they end up with a lot of problems. You have not, yeah. um, you navigated yeah. it really well, but what was it like to, to be that, to be that guy that young and that famous? So when I think back about the growing pains days, um, it, 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 it is kind of surreal because today I'm a husband um, my wife and I've been married for 32 years. We live in a kind of a rural part of California, uh, outside of Los Angeles. We've got six kids and day to day, we're just doing our thing. Um, I'm not living the Hollywood lifestyle. I'm not driving around, uh, you know, uh, as an icon for the, the lifestyles of the rich and the famous. But I do remember the limos and the sunglasses and the 1980s and the Tiger Beat magazines and, uh, all of the screaming crowds of 14 year old girls outside the set of growing pains. And it was kind of crazy. But to me, if you, if you can think from my perspective, that was the only teenage life I had ever lived. And I didn't have another normal to compare mm. it to. I was just trying to navigate it as I was in the middle of that storm. And I had a lot of friends who went down different roads and I, I, I grieve for the roads that they went down, and I can, I can say that the pressures for a teenage actor with so much money, so much drugs, so much opportunity, you can go down the wrong road very easily. And, and there are adults who will lead you down those roads because many of them have personal gain. They can profit in ways by just letting you. 
Fortunately, I had a mom and dad who were really hands-on. My mom was on the set with me and my sister Candace on her show Full House as much as she could be. And then a really amazing thing happened. When I was 17 years old, which was right at the peak, the apex of the popularity of Growing Pains, where I really might have gone off the rails, I had an experience where I followed a cute girl to church I go inside as an atheist, not believing anything that I was hearing, but leaving after listening to the message of the gospel preached by that minister, end up asking questions to this girl's father, and I become convinced that maybe I'm wrong in my beliefs about God. And I'm sitting in my sports car, parked on the side of the road at 17 years old, Mike Seaver and all of his fame and success, thinking about the fact that one day I would die. And if there really is a God and a heaven, I knew I would not be going there because I had essentially given the middle finger to God and mocked anyone who believed in invisible beings hiding behind clouds, keeping score of the wrong and the right. That just sounded like a grown up version of Santa Claus to me. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to mm. find out who's naughty or nice. And, you know, he doesn't just bring coal if you're bad. You actually go to hell. I thought that whole thing was just kind of crazy. But when I began to examine what's the origin of life of the universe, what's the justification for truth and beauty and goodness? When I began to think about Einstein and others who were not atheists, but actually said that, that, that it required the existence of God for any of this to make sense, I began to be more inquisitive. And I thought, I'm just going to pray. And I just asked God to show me what's real and what's true. And I wanted to find out more. And so I started reading the word of God, the Bible, and that began to change me on the inside. And I became persuaded that um, Jesus is who he said he was, that he really did rise from the grave and that Easter is a real thing. And th that became the paradigm from which I began to live my life. And when I look back after 35, 40 years, I can say that I didn't find God as an atheist in Hollywood uh, because God wasn't lost. I was lost. And I can't even imagine where I'd be today if God hadn't found me. And I'm so grateful. Mm. That's how I handled yeah, I mean, and navigated story. success as a teenage star and didn't wind up, you know, with my mugshot uh, holding a gun, uh, you know, at a liquor store mm -hmm. on a, a tabloid magazine is because God has been very kind and gracious to me. Kirk, can I ask you something practical? How important was it that your mom was on the set all the time? I mean, like, I think... I heard a, I, I watched a listened to a podcast um, not too long ago. I think I might have mentioned it to you when we went out to dinner um, of a, a young actor. And he talked about some of the bad things that happened to him on yeah. the set. And he had been damaged before he got on the set. But he basically talked about how there were people on set who were really good at identifying, you know, prey, if you will. Like they were able to he, he, he talked a lot about how there were grown-ups who hurt children 
and they could they 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 knew which ones they could they could have access to and they could manipulate and particularly those that had already been hurt um, before so how important is it just on a practical level if you have a child that wants to be part of this world that you as a parent have to be there all the time oh absolutely imperative there is no one who loves your children more than you do at least there shouldn't be and you cannot entrust these little hearts and these little minds and souls to those who don't have their best interest in mind and you can think of of other industries where it would be um, dangerous to just let your kids run out from underneath the umbrella of your parental protection uh, we, we don't send children out to war um, we protect them and we train them for one day when they go into battle and that certainly is the case if you're getting into the entertainment industry, the political industry, so many industries. Um, parents sometimes uh, they see gold, you know, they see stars and dollar signs uh, when they look at their cute little kids who might have some talent. And sometimes they send them into these industries and, um, you know, hey, let's let's be a good, good family. And, and our child will be a light in the darkness when really what ends up happening is that. Uh, the, the light within that child is snuffed out and they become filled with darkness because their parents are not paying attention or maybe have, have ulterior motives. So right. the fact that my mom was there with me, with Candace, during those early formative years during Growing Pains and Full House was one of the greatest gifts ever. And my mom and dad always told me, look, if, if this is not good for you, if this is not healthy, if this is not a blessing and taking you good in a good direction, then we're, we're, we'll be out tomorrow. This is only if this is a positive. Right. The minute it becomes a negative in your life, it's, it's not worth it. And I'm so glad that they, that they felt that way. Probably the greatest positive of you having done that show is that you got to meet your wife, the beautiful Chelsea Noble, um, who was, uh, I guess, what do you call it? Like a recurring character on the show. And then you guys ended up getting married. Um, you do have a remarkably especially in, in Hollywood world, a long relationship. Uh, what did you say, 34? Did you say 30, 32, years. 32 years? Yeah, 32 years. That's right. So what's the secret? Like, we, we our, our, our listeners um, love hearing about marriages and relationships that work. And so what do you think, I mean, besides the fact that she's obviously must be an amazing person and, and, and every time you talk about her, it's obvious um, that she is, but... What is the secret to a great marriage, one that's long lasting like yours? I, I so I so want to give give you the the, the right answer, and um, I, I don't know that that I'm going to be able to do that right now. But what I can tell you is that the longer I live, the more it becomes clear to me. It comes into focus what's really important. And at the end of the day, all that really matters is loving God and loving one another. It's not about what kind of a, a career I uh, am able to secure or how much money's in my bank or the houses I have. Um, what really, really matters is what Jesus said is the two most important things in all of life. And that is to love God with all of your heart I mean, we were designed for that. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship something else. And everything else that you try to worship, whether it's money or your ego or your accomplishments or even your children or even your spouse, they will all eventually let you down. And the worship of anything else will ultimately wreck you. It will destroy you because idols don't provide and they don't protect. And we can turn lots of different things into idols. We are worshipers by design and we're going to worship something. And 
if we love God with all of our heart, it leads to blessing. And then everything else falls in its place. And the second most important thing, loving one another. And if, and if, if you're married, there's a one flesh relationship with my wife that is unlike any other. It is absolutely exclusive. People love to talk about the virtues of inclusiveness today and diversity. And uh, in the right context, yes, mm-hmm. uh, God's made incredibly diverse things. And, and uh, you know, the kingdom of God is made up of every, every race, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, nationality, male, female, everything. But when it comes to marriage, that's exclusive. And that is me and my wife and nobody else. And when you understand that uh, and that, that kind of special love that's reserved only between a, a man and a woman in the context of marriage and that normally produces children, um, the product of that one flesh, you see it with your own eyes. Wow. Uh, that, that serves as the foundation and the inspiration to fight through all the difficult stuff. And I would say faith in God that you share together with a common standard. And for us, that's the word of God and what it says about marriage is absolutely essential because feelings go up and down. And if we go based off our feelings, oftentimes we would give up and give, give up on the most important and sacred things that God gives us. And so faith in God and then understanding that God and family are the most important things in life. And when we're sitting on our deathbed, those are the things that we're going to really wish that we had leaned more into. And uh, I'm committed to those things. And, and so is my wife. You know, I think it's, it's interesting um, that a foundational um, structure that starts with God is, is really important. And I'm glad you brought that up. But I, I think for a lot of people, and especially young couples, sometimes think that, and maybe I did too, marriage is kind of easy, or it, it, it can be easy, and there's a lot of really wonderful things. But, um, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, when we were at dinner, but it, there, it comes with some, I mean, there's, there's conflict, there's fighting, there's, there's compromise, there's forgiveness, there's all these things that happen in marriage that are beautiful and wonderful things, and anything that's worthwhile does take effort, does take work. Um, you know, probably less on my part. Rachel sure, has to work I, I a lot harder. I can tell this conversation says, Rachel's a lot of work. No, <laughs> I'm a lot of work for her, a lot of forgiveness that she has to offer. But I do think that's that's really important. Again, that that we say this is a marriage between three people, the two of us and, and, and God, and what he unites, no one can separate. Um, and I think the understanding that there, there can be challenging times. And if you fall back on, I do love this person and I do want to work through this disagreement with respect, unless it's about our podcast and we're going to yell at each other over coffee, <laughs> <It wasn't really laughs> yelling at each other, <laughs> a heated debate. Um, but I think th- th- those things are really important. So, I mean, you must have some disagreement. You must have some fights. And how do you guys navigate that? Any oh, man. Uh, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, I, and it, it, it's not the good times and the inspirational platitudes that rip us apart after 10 years, 20, 30 years of marriage. It's the conflict. It's, you know, you're falsely accusing me. It's the, you're not valuing me. It's all of the things that uh, we are not aligning on. And, and how do you deal with those things? For me, yeah. I believe, because somebody told me this, and I read it in God's word, that marriage is like a school where I learn how to become more like Jesus. I learn how to 
lay down my so-called rights in order to serve someone, even someone who may be injuring me. Now, this isn't justification for spousal abuse or domestic abuse. If you're, if you're experiencing that, call 911 and go get some professional counseling and help. But so many people are focusing on their rights, focusing on what it is that I deserve, and they're promoting a culture of rebellion in their own marriage. And I've said, wait a minute, I see Jesus on a cross. He was perfect and sinless, and he's laying down his life for his bride, the church. He's taking responsibility in order to put his arms around the whole thing and bring about wholeness and healing by his own sacrifice. And I'm called by God's word to be like Christ and love my wife the way Christ loved me. How does God love me? Well, he loves me selflessly and sacrificially. If I can say that's got to be my mindset, and by the way, I'm not Jesus, so I've got responsibility in this when there's conflict. I've probably got most of the responsibility. I need forgiveness. I don't want God judging me based off my performance. That would be the worst thing. I want him to love me based off his unfailing commitment to me. And that's how I need to be loving my spouse. Now, my, and my wife is such a beautiful, shining example of this. And um, that's how we get through conflict is um, what does God call me to? And am I loving you the way God is committed to loving me? Because that's what we want. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. So I, when I think of it, so first of all, it's so funny because you're like, you know, when we get in a conflict, most of it's my fault. I, I went, to, went to dinner with a, with a, a group of nuns um, and my friend Raymond Arroyo. And one of the nuns said, you know, whenever I get in a fight with my spouse, I know it's always my fault, <laughs> um, which was awesome. Uh, so it kind of reminded me of that. Why is it that just, just the idea of Raymond Arroyo and a bunch of nuns for dinner is just is just making me laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. These nuns were awesome. They were in full habit and they liked their limoncellos, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so they were they were having a, a few after dinner drinks and we started laughing. And she's like, Yep, I know when I get in a fight with my spouse, it's always my fault. Um, because I was asking them what it was like to be a nun. But I think what happens with marriage, I think this is the thing. 
Sean likes to talk. We kind of even disagree on how we talk about this marriage we do, thing. We've Sean, had, we've had this conversation. <laughs> let me let, let me share it with you. So Sean hey, thinks hey, it's hey, really hey, no fighting on your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning. We do it all the time. <laughs> okay, so when we a lot right now, guys. And so it's there. I know. <laughs> um, so Sean thinks it's really important to tell people who are about to get into marriage or thinking about marriage just how tough it can be because it can be. I think the problem is we don't talk enough about how great marriage can be. And I think that's which the problem, is. which it is. And so, first of all, when it comes to fighting, the reason marriage works is because when you're married and you truly are married in the way, Kirk, that you and your wife are married, Sean and I are married, and that it is a three-person marriage between you know, each of us and God, that it's a lifelong for us, a sacrament, um, that it is, you know, it is for life. It changes the nature of your fight. So you can't fight like it, I, it just is different. It's it, it, when yeah. you know you, you're going to have to do, you're going to be together forever. You don't fight the same way. And I think I, I know yeah. so many young couples who are living together and I feel like they're walking on eggshells in a way or because they want to make sure it lasts. They're trying to make sure it lasts and there's no commitment or permanency to it. Or on the other hand, they fight and then it's like over um, and someone moves out and, and, and it's like a mini divorce. It's just, to me, the beauty of marriage is that you can fight, but there's a, it changes the nature of fights. I think that's true. Wow. That's, that's a really cool insight. I think because the, the sacred context of your marriage, because of the way that you view it, changes the way that you fight in it. Um, man, that makes so much sense in the world. Right. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. Maybe I'll later I'll tell you to delete it. I don't know. But when I got married, I was pretty young. I was 20 years old when I got married. <laughs> and and um, I remember a lawyer saying, look, when you get married, Kirk, you know, you're on growing pains, you're making money, blah, blah, blah. You probably want to have a prenuptial agreement. And just in case this thing doesn't work out. And I was like, Oh yeah, that seems to make sense. And it's Hollywood and all that stuff. And then, you know, this whole spiritual thing came into my life. And I said to myself, you know what, what God has brought together, let no man separate. And if I get divorced after making a, a commitment into a covenant relationship like this, I'm, I have a lot more to lose than just my money. And I just felt in my mind, again, I'm, I'm not casting shade on anybody else who has a prenuptial agreement, but ended up saying, you know what, this feels to me like a backdoor exit and a safety mm -hmm. net and almost yes. like I'm planning to fail here. And so I was just like, no, I'm all in. I'm just putting all my chips out yep. front here and, and I'm all in. And I think that makes me fight differently. Not, not about, not the, not the, oh, yeah. I could lose all my money, but the yeah. sacred nature of the marriage in my mind is I don't have a backdoor exit with this. And so I am all in with you yeah. and we can't, we just can't fail. Now things happen. I understand, but my intention is crashing and burning is not an option. Yeah. For us, divorce is, is not an option. I actually just had a conversation with a young, uh, a young man that I know who said, was talking about, a, you know, a prenup and was talking about like, it, he wasn't getting married, but he was just kind of talking about it in a, you know, when yeah. I get married and da, da, da. And I was just like, if you're even thinking about a prenup, this, it's not going to work. So you might as well just not do it um, because you got to enter it exactly the way you say. It. And, 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 and then uh, back to the positives of 
of marriage. I, again, I think we don't talk enough to young people. And, and let's be frank, marriage about is how great on the in this culture. Yes, we don't. And it is awesome. It is like, like there's something so amazing that there are things about Sean that I know and Sean knows about me that no one in the world else knows. No one, no one. It is just our little thing. And there's something so amazing about that. And just knowing someone has your back and knowing that, you know, I, I just think we don't do enough of that. So I, and, and then we just, wonder why people don't want to get married. In my own defense, I think, again, to, 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 to live a life that goes, listen, obviously I love being married to you. I, I, I love you. I, I, we're, we're best friends. We do everything together. Um, I think I live a life that would say, listen, marriage is great. Yeah. But I, so I think I show that by the way I, I live um, and you live and that, but I also, I think there's this other component to go, be prepared to go. There's some challenges and, sure. and the reward yeah. for getting through those challenges, not throwing in the towel, not saying I give up, not moving out of your house to, you know, have yeah. a fight so big that I'm going to get a divorce. Like to, to, to get through those times, which will, will come in a marriage that if you actually fight through those things and work through those things and love your partner through those difficulties, you get the reward of that hard work, which is a beautiful, great marriage with, uh, with another human being that you're going to share your life with. So that's why I, I talk about yeah. it. And we do, Kurt, we, we do, we do fight about this. Actually, we don't fight. We are, we argue about the, how okay. we talk about marriage quite a bit, which that, and that's why, that's why I do it. Cause I, I, I do think it's a wonderful, I mean, it's the greatest institution. I think it's we have wonderful. to make the case for marriage and, and no, I, I think we should be honest about it. I'm, I'm with you too, but I just think I, I don't think it's an either or. I think I, it has to be an and. I think we have to talk about the challenges of marriage and, and the rewards the of getting through those challenges. But we also have to talk about how much fun it is. It I is mean, fun. when I think You're about, fun. I'm sorry, I know a lot of people who are, you know, either single or divorced and they're out there in the market and, and good on them. And I'm glad they're out there. And I often help people in those situations. I love doing that. I consider myself a, a matchmaker of sorts. But I don't want to be on the market. I am so happy <laughs> to be in my PJs until two o'clock with a guy who doesn't care that I'd have makeup on or not, um, who loves the way I cook, who, you know, uh, you know, loves my crazy and I have a lot of it. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing to get through life and know that you have that at my age, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties and, you know, I just, I don't want to be on the market. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't want, I don't want her on the market either, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so let's just I, I want to bring up one one last uh topic for you and and that is children's books it's an issue that rachel and i talk about a lot because there is so much garbage there's so there's a political agenda that's being pushed on our kids from the radical marxist left and it is everywhere um and You've partnered with Brave Books, and you've come out with a, a, a number of wonderful books that uh, are what we used to get in children's literature in, the, in your new book, As You Grow, um, that I believe came out December 1st. It's, again, with Brave Books. Tell us about how important it is that we have good, wholesome literature for kids. I also want you to talk about... Um, Sky Tree Book Fair. Yeah, you have to talk about that because I have hated scholastics for a long time. My daughter, who's 24, when she was in elementary school, uh, that's when I first started to see 
um, some of the, the, the negatives, uh, and, and the agendas being pushed through, you know, I mean, I remember getting the scholastic fairs at my school and all of a sudden I started to see a progression to now it's just un unbelievable. The kinds of books that some of them are practically pornographic that are being pushed so that you guys are coming in, not just creating books, but creating uh, book fairs that could replace scholastics for parents to feel safe and comfortable having their kids purchase books from there and know that they've been, th that they're age appropriate. Yeah. Uh, God bless you and Brave Books for doing this. Well, I resonate with everything that you guys are saying. My wife and I have six children and education is what programs their little minds. So they, they learn right from wrong and good and bad. And um, they learn about history through the books that we read them. And it's critically important. Um, conservatives have become professional whiners and complainers about education and culture <laughs> rather than mm -hmm. excellent creators of education and culture. We don't seem to be leading in the media. We seem to be trying to play catch up and pointing out who's doing things wrong rather than actually getting out in front and creating channels for our children to go down that lead to their blessing. And so uh, consequently, uh, we look like a bunch of whiners and I'm really thankful for companies like Brave Books and people like you um, who are writing books and doing podcasts, people who are making movies like the Kendrick Brothers, the Irwin Brothers, um, people who are writing music and beginning to create culture for our children so that their future looks bright. Um, we've called out Scholastics because uh, they are actually the world's largest publisher and distributor of children's books and curriculum. And it's not just Clifford the Red Dog and um, Stuart the Mouse anymore. It's books <laughs> like Welcome to St. Hell, My Trans Teen Misadventure, or this book called Rick, which is actually a trans book. It used to be called uh, Melissa, but it was changed to the name Rick because it's actually a trans book or a trans title. And this is another one, Stars in Their Eyes. And in it, you have stuff that can only be described as lewd and pornographic. Some of these have images and descriptions of underage kids uh, in bed, underage drinking, taking off their clothes, participating in sex acts with full frontal nudity, including instruction manuals for girls on how to take their own hormone shots to grow their own two-inch male unit uh, out of their own pre-existing equipment. And all of this wow. is be being given to kids through book fairs and through uh, school libraries, public libraries. And what do we do? Well, what you do is you replace the bad with the good and then you lean into it. And that's what we're doing with SkyTree book fairs. And we already have over a thousand schools in America who have canceled their contracts. I'm sorry. We have hundreds who have canceled their contracts with Scholastic and replaced them with wholesome wow. book fairs through SkyTree and thousands of schools that are in the application process right now to have SkyTree uh, come to their school. And SkyTree pulls in the best books from publishers all over the country, including Brave Books, and is getting back to the kinds of books that build kids' character. It's rooted in truth, and it is appropriate age-appropriate content that's not going to have gender-confusing stuff, that's not going to have critical race theory, and it's not this socialist Marxist garbage.
Amen to that. Amen to that. It just I can't think of a better um, cause. I mean, there's so many things that you can get involved with, Kirk, and that you've you know teamed up with Brave to to provide options and alternatives to parents who really want them and thought they were just stuck with scholastics um, yeah. for their book fairs and 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 for and to, and to get books. Thank you. And I, I love the idea of going. You know what? Stop being a bunch of whiners. Figure out how you can change the world in which you live in. And again, I, when I was in politics, I, I mean, people sit on their and it starts and throw popcorn with making your like, own okay, butter and sauerkraut. What can you do to to? Yeah. Yes. You're yes. darn right. That's what I'm saying. Homesteading. <laughs> Right back to the basics. Faith and homesteading and family all together. Uh, Self-sufficiency. I think we should get a farm side by side so we can all hang out together. And and (laughs) Well, we'll we'll have to to share realtor uh, names and and find those spots together. Listen, Kirk, we we appreciate all you do. We appreciate using uh, the voice and the platform that God gave you um, to, 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 to share his word, um, to share the truth, um, and kind of be a light, not kind of, to be a light out there for other families, other fathers, um, other Christians. I think it's, I think it's really wonderful. And we appreciate your friendship. We appreciate, if I tasted it, I'd say I appreciated your butter. I haven't tasted it yet, but one day maybe I will. Um, I'm going to, I'll give you some ice cream too. And I'll, maybe I'll share with you the ice cream maker that I got. Yeah, we can at least share, share the recipe. I've got a Quizzenart for like yeah. $85. You know, there's all these homesteader moms out there uh, listening to us right now. And these, these preppers who are going, you I guys know. are such geniuses. You guys don't even know. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> totally. They're like this was a- this was amateur prepper hour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. We started it amateur. Starts, it starts. A, it starts. The, every long journey starts with the first step. And you guys, you guys have both it taken the first step towards self reliance. And I, I love it. And, and um, you start easy. You start with the easy things like butter and sauerkraut. You do those things, and then you build upon it. Listen, Kirk, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate it at the kitchen table. We appreciate your friendship uh, and your example. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you, oh. Kirk. Make sure that next time you come to our area, we'll do dinner again. Maybe next time we'll get to meet Chelsea. We'd love to. I can't wait for you to meet Chelsea. Uh, you, you, you're you're going to fall in love with her. And I'm looking forward to meeting your uh, your whole family and seeing your farm. So thank you for having me on today. And um, keep up the great work. <laughs> so great to have Kirk on the podcast. Such an interesting guy leading such an interesting life. And again, I'll, listen, he wears his, his faith on his sleeve he, he and, and promotes it and talks about it. Um, is not uh, shy about it. Um, I he's love been that doing part. that since the 80s. I mean, he's the real deal. Since the 80s. I'm tell you what, we've gone to dinner with him a couple of times and I will always take a picture of you. It's not, it's just, it's, I said it to my girlfriends and, and I'm like, God, can you imagine if in, in 1988, if I said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going out to dinner with Kurt Cameron. Like, like, can you imagine what my friends would, I mean, they would, they, they're still in breath. So uh, he's a great guy, and, um, and had, our 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 dinner with him was so awesome. And all of a sudden, it was this mind meld of family's oh, ideas yeah, and self self sustainability. I'm not going to say prepping, but you know, being self sustainable, being ready, being, being ready. ready for whatever can happen is important. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy, and, and it's not just being ready with like knowing how to do stuff, but also physically and health wise ready for whatever. And your to family, come. you talk about this a lot. Though, that your family needs to be strong. Yeah, you want to fortify um, your family, fortify, fortify your bonds so that you're a, a, a tribe. 
and and you're ready to handle whatever comes your way. That's right. So, uh, well, listen, thank you for joining us at the podcast. And again, thanks to Kirk Cameron, also formerly known as Mike Sieber. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is like a podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. Uh, please subscribe. You get a notice when we drop. We drop Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays. And uh, until next time, listen, have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.